What is going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Deep Two, a basketball podcast where we talk the latest in the NBA and sprinkle in some mild to spicy takes here and there. Today is Friday, December the 9th, and I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Ryan Stanley. Ryan, we've had a couple weeks since our last episode, which was our Thanksgiving episode, but I still have to ask, how was your mac and cheese? Dude, it was so good. It was so good. Um, I had some helpers in the kitchen, which I'm not a fan of. They cut the cheese a little wrong. Um, mm-hmm. You know, big, big little, like big cubes. You want small cubes for mac and cheese. It doesn't melt right if you have big cubes, so it's fine. Um, I'm making two pans of it for some of my students today, so I get to redeem myself. There you go. Did it live up to your uh, first overall, or did it rightfully take its place at, you know, third or fourth rounder? Well, it was the first thing I ate, followed by the rolls, so just so you know. <laughs> you put a little mac and cheese on the roll? Oh my gosh, that's like that's like a Steph KD mm. pick and roll. So, I was thinking about this after we had that episode, because I saw some people talk about it, but I'm the kind of person who, like, I don't, like, mush it all together, but I take a bite out of everything at the same time, if that makes sense. I'll take a bite of the turkey, and I don't, like, swallow it, I, like take a bite out of everything else and so that's kind of the same sort of deal is as uh putting the mac and cheese on the roll i thought you meant like you like if a little bit of like gravy makes its way into the green beans you're cool with that but you so you just like put one thing at a time in your mouth and just like yes i chew it all together yes like it's gross to me to think about if i were to like make like a stew of it all but i basically do that in my mouth just not on the plate. <laughs> I don't that's probably an unpopular opinion, but that's 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 my thing. I love it. I love the the combining of things. <laughs> well, if you're still listening after that, you're a true fan. Yeah, I didn't know that it was gross until a couple days ago when they were talking about it and one dude was like me and the other dude was like absolutely disgusted. So but Oh, that's rough. Hey, you get all the flavors. It's it's amazing. But uh <laughs> so before we jump into our main topic of the day, um, we've had a couple couple weeks of, of NBA basketball, a lot of exciting stuff. Is there anything that's been going on these last two weeks or so that you want to highlight? Yeah, uh, I've seen a lot of people say that Ben Simmons is back. I would like to go ahead and say Ben Simmons is not back. Um, he averaged a whopping nine points in November, so let's slow, let's slow down on that. Average six in October, so that's three there more points go. a game. Most improved player. Um, <laughs> Well, actually, he's down two assists, um, so no matter how you cut those two assists, that's at least one less point a game for, for his team. Uh, he also barely plays, and he's fourth in the league in fouls. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so, some of those I've been noticing, the Bucks are uh, currently playing some of the best defense of all time. They're averaging 95 points per 100 possessions, which is currently a better mark than the 0304 Pistons. I feel like that doesn't get a lot of coverage. Defensive stats don't really get a lot of coverage anyways, but like that's just remarkable right now. Um, I, also, I put this last week. Uh, Keith knows this, but a little behind the curtains if you've been missing the pod. Uh, I have not had internet in a while because of a line getting cut to my house. And so uh, I put this down last week. It doesn't apply anymore because he already signed with like the Timberwolves or somebody. But when the Lakers cut Matt Ryan, I said the Hawks have got to sign Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen. Um, and then finally, I know everybody wants to know how the Knicks are doing. I'll tell you how the Knicks are doing. Uh, Trey Young wore some shoes the other night that said King of Broadway on the heel of them. Oh, uh, they my were blue. gosh. <laughs> they were blue and orange. It was like so on the nose. Um, it, it, he wore them in MSG against the Knicks. That's like part of the whole deal. He took another bow during the game, and the Hawks lost by twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> and look at where Trey Young's at right now. He's he's in a he's in a bunch of drama with that coaching right? staff. Uh, which that moves Trey Young to nine and twelve all time against the Knicks. I know they won the playoff series, and that's what really matters. But I need something, okay? Um, speaking of Ben Simmons having the most fouls in the least amount of time, um, friend of the pod Zach, he was on a couple of episodes ago talking about OKC, but. Uh, we've the three of us are in a group chat talk and this past Monday Zach and I played against each other in a um, church basketball game and we actually never matched up because um, we we just nev- never like got put on each other but I did my stats of the game I actually put up the most stats this game than I did all than I have all season which was five fouls in a church ball game <laughs> so 
When you said most stats, I was like, oh no, that could be something really bad. <laughs> yep, I, I had uh, four fouls before the half, and these are <laughs> these are 16-minute halves, and then I fouled out with about eight minutes left to go in the second half. So um, I basically played my best Ben Simmons impression, except I didn't take any bad shots. So I think that I I contributed more than I didn't. So you gotta have that. You gotta have that dirty work guy. But man, those are some good highlights. Matt Ryan to the Hawks would have been just poetic, but unfortunately, we did not see that. <laughs> oh man! So my my highlight of the last few days of NBA basketball is more so a low light. Um, in the past year and a half, my beloved Chicago Bulls have had some pretty exciting moments with this new core that they put together pretty quickly um, two summers ago or whatever. The few weeks that we were the one seed in the East last year, that was exciting. DeRozan for MVP, um, one of my, you know, one of the best six-day stretches of my life. The greatest defensive backcourt duo of all time in Lonzo and Caruso. But unfortunately, all of that was just a tease. It was just a quick glimpse of what being good felt like. But at the end of the day, there was no real success to be had with this squad. So my low light of this week is just a cry. It's a plea to the Bulls organization to reorganize our assets a little bit. Uh, we're 10 and 14 right now to start the season. And 10 and 14, you know, it doesn't sound that bad. You know, it's pretty close to 500. But we're the ugliest 10 and 14 of all time. We, we've lost games in the ugliest ways. Damar and uh, Zach and uh, Vucevic, they're all score first players and they all put up pretty good points per game numbers. But that's basically it. Um, they're not that good defensively. We're a really poor three-point shooting team. I think I read um, in this article that we were like 28th in three-point shooting or something like that. So just awful in that on that um, in that area. Nothing's clicking for the Bulls this season. I read another article on SB Nation that basically talked about how the Bulls are just totally screwed one way or another because we traded so many first rounders to basically build this squad that we have now, which you know. When we signed uh, DeMar DeRozan, that was overall the the NBA NBA Twitter and NBA culture overall saw that as one of the worst moves in the offseason. And he kind of rewrote that narrative a little bit because he just had a great season last year and we over exceeded expectations. But that has that ship has really sailed. And now it's looking again like one of the worst deals and in, in contracts in, in the NBA um, just because he's getting paid a ton of money for you know really good offensive play but that's not translating to any wins so aside from um, Alex Caruso Pat Williams maybe Zach Levine none of our players have real significant value as assets you know nobody wants Vucevic um, nobody wants Namar at this price um, it also stings a ton to see um, Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. our, our previous young guys that we had uh, becoming super solid starters on other teams, just thinking about like what could have been if we had developed them in the right way. So um, in short, I blame all this on Jim Boylan. Um, so that that's an easy, easy out. But it doesn't look like, you know, there, there's no hopes for any real playoff success with this team. And it also doesn't really look like it, if we were to, you know, sell our sell all our players and try to find some assets, we might not be in any sort of contention for years and years, but something different needs to happen. Cause right now it's, it's like, we should be, you know, better than 10 and 14, but we're just not, we're just playing super ugly and it's just, it's just not great. So not a fun time to be a Chicago Bulls fan. And, you know, Ryan as, as a Knicks fan, I know that you've had your ups and downs as well, but um, I know that we can probably share in, in some, um, in some travesty as, as we have experienced these, these, <laughs> tough times for our teams but blow it up bulls that's all that's all yeah. i'm saying yeah i mean uh demar is 33 i just looked it up and vooch is 32 so their windows are like literally right now or never um you know we we've mentioned on like three pods now that lonzo hasn't really played for the bulls since he's been there and i don't think he's logged a minute so far this season um i can't really tell you I'm I'm confident Alex Caruso has been doing Alex Caruso things, but I can't tell you a single moment from him since he got injured by Grayson Allen last year. Um, and so my question for you is, Keith, how should I feel about Zach Levine, specifically when he's on my team in a few weeks? <laughs> um, Zach Levine is a an incredible scorer. 
and if you need some three-point shooting, he's the guy. But if he is your second-best player like he is on the Bulls, if he's the second-best player on a team, it's probably not a championship team. It's probably not a deep playoff team. And I love Zach Levine. I have a, I have a Zach Levine jersey. You know, I was super hype, you know, that he's on our team. But he is – he's more of a specialist than anything else, I would say. Like, just uh, – he's a three-point specialist and also just super athletic, super fast. But that's basically it, you know. Any, any bigger guard forward is going to, you know, bully him on defense. And also he has, he has the, the confidence that is good sometimes, but, but bad most of the time of, you know, I'm going to shoot any time that I get the ball. And, you know, he, he might make it 40% of the time. But that other 60% either puts you in a hole or just completely messes up the rhythm of the rest of the team. So he's if if he were to go to say the bucks or um even the lakers like i think they would be he would be in in good standing because of his specialty but i don't know about the Knicks, though i don't know if he's i don't know if he's a good fit for the Knicks. he he might he might get a he might get that sort of savior complex and you know you don't you don't want to mess up what jalen brunson's got going on for you you know i uh, one of my favorite comps that i i love to compare current era players to like previous eras and uh, one of my favorite comps is always say that Carmelo Anthony on the Knicks is basically the exact same as uh, Damian Lillard right now on the Trailblazers. But, you know, if you added, like, a touch of loyalty to the Zach Levine situation, similar kind of player, right? Like, it, he's a score-first guy. He wants to be your main option. Unfortunately, you can't win a lot of games if he's your main option, you know? So... We're just uh, over a quarter of the way through the season, just over 20 games down for each team. So today our main discussion is going to revolve around who we think our quarter season MVP is. Um, lots of guys have been performing at really high levels, so we want to talk about some of them. So Ryan, with 20 games under our belts, who do you have as your quarter season MVP? It's my quarter season MVP. I don't feel good about this, man. I don't feel good about it. I'm sticking with what I said at the beginning of the season. Um, and he's done everything I wanted him to do. My, my pick to begin the season was Luka. Um, he did everything that, that I thought he would do, but I hate watching it so much. Um, the only path I could see as of right now to Luka um, potentially not winning it, I mean, he just pulled a basketball reference, so I have the, the latest stats. He's... Um, he's basically averaging 33 points a game, eight and a half assists, um, eight and a half rebounds. Uh, he's shooting over 50% from the field, which considering he is the only thing that probably shows up on the pregame report when you're playing the Mavs, that's pretty impressive to be shooting over 50%. Uh, player efficiency rating of 31.2. Usually if you're north of 30, then you pretty much win MVP every year. That's, that's sort of, um, if you go back through the last, 20 years of MVPs, that's basically like everyone who wins is whoever is, is leading in player efficiency rating. Um, so yeah, it, it is exactly what I always thought Luka would be this season. Like I knew it was going to be Luka heavy without Jalen Brunson there because I, I know Jalen Brunson's game. I know, I, especially lately, I, I really know his game. He uh, is very much, it was very much like a your turn, my turn sort of situation last year. A very uneven your turn, my turn, because Luke is obviously a significantly better player. Um, but now without him in the rotation and without uh, whoever was playing power forward the last few years, I lost his name. Uh, oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he... Uh, <laughs> Tingus Pingus. <laughs> took you a second. Um, but without him there, uh, I figured that that this would be the year where it was just a lot of hero ball from Luca. It was um, going to be like the, the most efficient version of Michael Beasley we've ever seen out of a player. And that's exactly what it's been. It has looked like uh, James Harden from 2015 to 2019 all over again. And that was my least favorite player in the league to watch. I was very vocal to you about it. I, I couldn't stand that kind of playing can't stand guys who pound the rock for like 30 minutes or sorry for about a 30 percent of their uh, team's possessions like in total time and also according to basketball reference his uh, his first nickname when he started playing basketball was el matador which is super cool um <laughs> so yeah that's that's about all i have on luca i think he's definitely um 
the favorite as of right now for most people, but I, I could also see the one path to him not winning it this year would involve voters just being sick of that kind of playing. Because, you know, it, it's not just uh, James Harden from a few years ago, but it's also Russ. And, I mean, if your team's not winning, which the Mavs aren't, aren't doing so hot this season, you know, that can play into it as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm a huge Luca guy, and I have been since the beginning. I actually saw my time hop yesterday. I tweeted four years ago. This was his rookie year. How can or I said how can anyone not have deep love for Luca Doncic in their heart? Um, and so I, I've always been a Luca guy, but I am kind of in the same boat um, that you were just talking about with his play this season. Not necessarily because he's playing this way, but because he really almost like doesn't have a choice. Um, when you look at the rest of the the roster, you have these guys who you know like Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who are really serviceable veterans and and role players that just really aren't um, they're not performing. I think I saw this uh, that Tim Hardaway's stats right now is you know when he comes off the bench he's like ten percent or uh, 10, 10 points per game and then like thirty percent from the field. And that, that stuff is just pretty much across the board with the Mavs. And so it's it's like I don't fault Luca for how he's playing right now, but also I don't necessarily enjoy watching it. Um, I watched the, the Mavs-Suns game the other night where the Mavs actually pulled out the win, um, where Luca got another laugh over his son, Devin Booker. But um, – <clears throat> So that was, you know, that was the best case for this version of the Mavs with Luka, right? Just uh, scrappy play, Luka's, you know, 11 to 12 assists, um, 28, 29 points per game. But it's just not realistic with this crew. And it's it's so eerily similar to early LeBron for me, um, just on teams that – now, the LeBron teams, I think, before he left Cleveland were not – not this good. Not saying that the Mavs are that good at all, but I, I would say that the the LeBron Cavs teams were maybe a step down um, from from this kind of team. Maybe maybe right about the same, but it's just eerily similar to me. Just the one man show sort of thing. And Luca is, I think he's okay with playing that because he's he's young right now and and is getting all these stats, getting all this attention. But I think eventually he's going to realize like I need another star. I it may not be you know a Jalen Brunson, but you know, LeBron needed realized he needed D Wade and, and Chris Bosch and and you know a lot of people will hear that and say like oh that's because they don't have that that dog in them that Kobe mentality you know whatever but it's just realistic you know it's it's reality that you need other star players to win championships that's pretty much the case for any championship team and so Luca in this James Harden esque play is only sustainable you know, for maybe a, a second round exit, maybe another conference finals appearance. Um, but I do agree. He, he's probably, if, if they, if they can win, win a couple more games um, and, and improve a little bit on the, the win side, I think he's definitely the front runner for this MVP, this year's MVP. Um, but I'm going to go in kind of a different direction. My pick for MVP, MVP currently is none, none other than the Greek freak. Giannis is, putting up 32-11-5. He's second in scoring next to Luka, um, and he's leading the Bucks to the second seed right now, all while for most of the season missing his second fiddle and Chris Middleton. Um, and I think Drew Holiday has missed a few games here and there as well. Um, both of them, I believe, are, are back um, back playing. But um, up until now, it's really just been Giannis. And the Bucks have, like you said earlier, the best defense in the league, um, historic numbers I didn't even realize you know the the comparison between them and the 04 Pistons which is just crazy and that's that's really all thanks to Giannis and and just being the anchor of that defense um I think Giannis is in this place in a lot of sports fans and and sports media's minds where we're just kind of overlooking his outstanding production because we're all used to it it's that same like LeBron and Kobe effect where they're just putting up insane numbers every game that we just come to expect it from them. But I think it's even to a greater extent because I don't think Giannis has gotten the same amount of attention on the ESPNs of the world as that Kobe or LeBron ever did. Right. Like I think that Giannis is clearly the best player in the league. Um, that doesn't 
and best player in the league doesn't necessarily mean MVP. Um, we we see we've seen that you know over and over again. But I think he's clearly the best player in the league. That and it's weird because he doesn't get talked about that much um, as far as his production goes. When you really think about it, like this season specifically, the main media attention Giannis has gotten was when that whole ladder incident happened in Philly. Do you remember that, Mike? With with Montrez and um, it's just it was kind of ridiculous, like how the whole thing went down. You know, Montrez is a freaking washed six man, averaging like five and three, and Giannis is just trying to shoot some shoot some shots or whatever. But um, overall, likable guy with a clean record. But you know, that's what the media spent like you know a whole week talking about, rather than you know this dude's putting up just insane numbers and dragging this this injured Bucks team to the second seed only behind a just really really good Boston Celtics team like I don't think we're even you know realizing how good that Celtics team is um and the fact that the Bucks are just right behind them is is really impressive and it's and it's obviously all thanks to Giannis so um he's my guy for right now um my pick from the beginning of the season was Joel Embiid which um you know, whenever we do our revisiting our our preseason picks podcast, that's gonna that's gonna sting real hard. Um, he's he's playing okay, you know, just not even, but not even top seven, top eight in the MVP race. So um, tough luck for for JoJo, but yeah, Giannis is Giannis is my pick for MVP this season so far. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great pick. Um, I was just digging into a little bit of his advanced stats too, uh, just kind of looking up. Uh, it feels like something's a little different with Giannis. I did find something a little interesting in some of his advanced stats, but um, I will say bigger players just tend to be less popular. I mean, like they rarely have signature shoes, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I think that plays into it. I also think like, you know, when all's said and done, Giannis deserves to be mentioned in the same category as uh, maybe not LeBron yet. That's a little ambitious, but it's certainly like within, like it's a possibility, like, I wouldn't be shocked if 10 years from now Ryan popped into the room and said, hey, guess what? Giannis, as good as LeBron. So <laughs> I would also have more questions to follow that up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that that's certainly within play. Um, but, yeah, I was, looking at, I was looking at some of these stats, and one thing that stood out to me about this season is that he has a lower um, player efficiency rating, which, you know, like I said, uh, 30 is the average for MVPs. Um, Johannes is current. It was 32 last season for reference. It's 29.9 right now. So he's like right on the line of like where people average for being an MVP for that season. Um, and not that that like really matters. I don't think that like the people who vote on this stuff is, are just sitting here like, hey, what was his player efficiency rating? But that's like a notable thing that people who like talk about this mention. Um, <clears throat> but what was really interesting to me is that Giannis actually leads the league in usage rate right now. Um, which, you know, you think about how people talk about Luca right now. I, I mentioned a second ago, Luca averages, he's 37% usage rate. Usage rate is, um, for anybody at home that just doesn't know, usage rate is literally just how much of the game do they have the ball in their hands. So Luca has the ball in his hands 37% of the total game time. Um, Giannis has the ball in his hand 39%, which is leading the league right now. And you think about how people talk about Luca. Uh, they don't mention guys like Giannis in that same breath, which is another kind of difference between big players and uh, guards or whatever position Luca plays. Um, but one of one of the things that I think is uh, worth mentioning when it comes to these MVP discussions is um, what do people, what do guys do when their team is missing like basically significant players? You know, you think about the last couple of years when Jokic won it, um, Jamal Murray was out, and that played a heavy role into. Um, him into the narrative and you know the narrative is, is essentially what matters with the MVP voting I literally just got a notification at the top right of my Mac that says uh, check out Kia's MVP ladder it's Giannis versus Luka <laughs> look at that <laughs> you heard it here I first play tonight. <laughs> crazy these things be listening man um, <laughs> so uh, yeah so um, you think about that Chris Middleton um, I think has been out all season. I don't think he's he's played yet at all for the Bucks. Um, it'd be interesting to see how this season progresses uh, with that. I know he's coming back soon, but 
at least missing a quarter of the season and having the Bucks in second place in the East is is significant and could help kind of fuel another Giannis narrative. So I love that pick. I love Giannis in general. He could win MVP every year, and I'd be happy. Yeah. And you know, he probably you, you look at these these past couple MVPs, and he has a, he has an argument for every single one. You know, but obviously voter fatigue and whatnot kind of takes him out there. But um, so kind of. I just want to touch on on this next thing, um, but when we think about any those those two guys are, are obviously you know those are our our choices, but there are some honorable mentions here and there, and one of them um, is Anthony Davis, who you know at the beginning of the season we probably never would have expected to be in this conversation, um, and right now it. it it's kind of unfortunate he's been he's been out the past couple of games with uh, flu-like symptoms, I believe. It's he's an illness injury listing. So, um, but prior to that, Anthony Davis hasn't just gotten better. He has played like, you know, I would I would dare to say the best player in the league. Um, he's put up just insane numbers, like thirty five thirty five or so a game, um, thirteen rebounds. He's he's defensively still on top of his game, you know, three to four blocks um, in multiple games. They, the Lakers have gone from two and ten to I believe they're like eleven and tw- eleven and twelve now or something like that. So they won like eight straight whenever he started this little role of his. Um, so Anthony Davis is is a guy who has just kind of uh, come back to life, you know. And I was this is this is a typical. Bill Simmons thing to say, but he was talking about on his podcast about how he was like, um, you know, isn't this like, like, why are people excited? Isn't this like what you were expecting or something like that? Like you, you, you sent all your assets for this guy. Like why you, why is everyone so, and I'm just like, dude, <laughs> your Celtics bias is coming out, but um, he's, he's th- this, this performance, these performances by Anthony Davis can't, go overlooked you know do you have any thoughts on the Lakers and 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 what their the rest of their season looks like is this kind of just a an asterisk um little moment or is this you think this is sustainable I I mean honestly dude I think it entirely rides on how healthy Anthony Davis is because um, I was just reading a really good article by the athletic about this um Anthony Davis's mindset by all accounts has just completely shifted over these last few games uh, apparently he basically saw the writing on the wall for this Lakers team and, and was starting to get some real ideas about how the rest of his career could look. And uh, he he more or less just came into the building and, and agreed to start playing center. And that's, that's what he does. He starts at center. He closes games at center. Um, and playing the five has always been something that he you know hasn't wanted to do. Part of what makes Anthony Davis such a unique player um, you know, this isn't like breaking news. Everybody basically knows this about him. He began as a point guard. He's basically a point guard all through co- or all through high school. Um, had a huge growth spurt. Shifted to center basically like his last year of high school, and then you know went to Kentucky and played center. Uh, but like his ball handling and his shooting uh, were basically like his his biggest skills for a long time, and that's what set him apart. Um, and he's always kind of wanted to play the four so that he can play in space and still kind of feel like a guard. And that's worked for him up until like these last couple of years, and you add that and health concerns, and that's been a huge issue for him. Um, I, I did see that he's currently averaging um, his career high in points, rebounds, uh, field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, and player efficiency rating, which if you want to add him into the MVP discussion, his PER is right at 32, which is about the same as Luca's. Um, which is crazy when you think about Anthony Davis. I mean, and you think about how the first 12 games of the season went, starting out 2-10, and 10, uh, the fact that he is is playing so well over these last uh, couple weeks that, that he's all of a sudden averaging his career highs in all of these. Uh, that kind of turnaround is, is ridiculous. But, um, yeah, they're, they're using him, like I said, they're using it almost exclusively at the 5 now. They're using him almost the same way that the 76ers use Joel Embiid. And I think that that's a role that if Anthony Davis is as bought in as everybody says, could be, um, it could be something that could be sustainable. I think that uh, sort of role is something that this version of him can clearly do because he's doing it. Um, and 
you know, kind of funny enough, the Bucks and Mavs are playing tonight, and the uh, Sixers and Lakers are playing tonight. Look at so that. All of these teams we're talking about, they're playing each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do think the only thing is uh, is what his health's going to look like, and then ultimately, uh, I was going to work in that same Bill Simmons quote, actually, kind of funny enough. Um, this is what they thought that he should look like, so maybe they can build around this version of Anthony Davis and not worry so much about building... Um, around what's left of LeBron's career. Yeah. I um pri- probably halfway through the the whole his whole kind of resuscitation, I was like, "Oh, this is this is great time for uh the Lakers to sell Anthony Davis, you know, because of the value that he's started to accumulate." I was like, "You know what? Chicago boy, we're in we're in need of some <laughs> some <laughs> recalibration. Let, let let's do it. Let's let's bite the bullet." But um no, yeah. AD is is back to what we like you said what we all expected and if he keeps this up I think that he's he's definitely in the in the conversation for MVP and which is crazy because he hasn't been in that conversation in, in a long time and it feels like he's it feels like he is much older than he is because of the injury history and also because we've been hearing about him dominating the league since you know 2014 2015ish and so but he's he's only 29 he's he's he is in his prime of age, and so um, he's right in that perfect time to be in this conversation. And um, I think the Lakers, you know, the Lakers have a, have more hope now, much more hope now than they did at the beginning of the season because it's it's been a real turnaround for them. So um, any other, you know, you know, we don't have to dive into them, but any other guys that you just want to say their names just to give them some 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 honor in this MVP discussion. Oh my gosh! Um, I guess we should have to say something about Jason Tatum because the, the Celtics are the, the number one seed in the East. I'm pretty confident. I haven't looked it up. I'm sure that they have the best record in the NBA. Um, Jason Tatum's been balling. Uh, there's still like seven dudes averaging over thirty points a game somehow. We um, love it. Yeah, as much as I hate saying it, Kevin Durant's having an amazing year that nobody's really talking about. He's a he actually I. I would, if I had to pick today, I would say that Kevin Durant's probably having the best defensive season in the league right now. Um, I saw, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of stats recently that I'm just not going to pull up because nobody cares about defensive stats. But he's playing like the best defense of his career. He's still unstoppable on offense. Um, you know, that's that's about it. I, I don't think any of those other guys who are north of 30 points per game are really going to have as much of a shot. Yeah, for sure. Jason Tatum is is a boring pick to me. Um, his team is very, very good. And actually this last week I was looking at the, the Kia MB, NBA MVP ladder and um, Jalen Brown over the past week has actually scored more than Jason Tatum has. And so what that tells me is that it's, they just, they're just a really, really good team. I just don't know if I can justify giving Jason Tatum that award with his team being that good but he he has been balling I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to take away and take away anything from that so um, I also just want to say this name um, Donovan Mitchell and I'm, mis- I'm moving on from there all right I have a quick question for you on the AD front uh, just because I did start thinking about like if this is a team that the Lakers are going to be able to build around going forward like if AD keeps doing this for the next few weeks before the trade deadline they're going to have to start thinking about you know, we've, we've talked about Lakers trades building around the last couple of years of, of LeBron playing at the level he has. But if they're trying to build around AD playing at the level that he's currently playing at, I hate to put you on the spot right now. And if you need me to, I can go first with a couple ideas that I just jotted down right before we started recording. But Keith, do you have anybody in mind that would be that would make sense around AD right now? Do I have anybody? So, so we're we're saying the Lakers are rebuilding and not rebuilding, but they're building around AD, and they need to basically buff their roster right now, which is exactly what they need to do. Say so AD is still averaging north of thirty points a game, like north of ten rebounds a game, and they're like, "Hey, this is this is finally going to be the future we thought it was." So, this is the first couple things that come to mind. So, obviously, the Buddy Heal, the Mile Turner discussion has been the annoyingly long talk around Lakers trades, but I'm going to, I'm going to steer away from the miles Turner thing because like you were talking about with AD kind of owning that playing the five role, 
I don't think that they necessarily need Miles Turner. I don't think that they need to shift AD back to playing that power forward. I think that what he's doing right now is exactly what they need. So, but I think a Buddy Healed, a, a Buddy Healed ish guy, would be a prime time, you know, shooter. You know, adding some shooting, adding a little bit of you know perimeter defense there. Um, I also think of guys like, and we've mentioned him going coming back to the Lakers so many times, but Jordan Clarkson. Um, somebody to, to run the ball. Another guy that from the jazz that really I thought that was kind of more so on the downslide and not really having, didn't really have any value, but actually does is Mike Conley. I think that if they can, um, if the Lakers and, and Russ has been playing a little bit better and he's been owning, owning his bench role, uh, much more willingly and, um, in a, in a good team way recently, but still, I think that they need to upgrade that, uh, that primary playmaker role. Um, I think Mike Conley is a, is a good guy for them to, to target. Um, so I would say those, those are the first things that come to mind. What do you got? Dude, I, so I steered a little bit of a different direction and I obviously had time to think about this and just threw this on you. So, um, I, I like Russ coming off the bench, obviously, like we didn't, um, talk much about him. We didn't talk about him at all. It's the first time he's been mentioned on the pod, but, uh, you know, Russ coming off the bench has been playing super well these last couple weeks, too. I like Dennis Schroeder, um, but the thing that I don't like in that guard rotation is Pat Bev. I think that uh, he's basically not getting any playing time at this point. I think he can flip Pat Bev to a team that needs defense. Um, and I will tell you one team that needs defense, and they play up in central Manhattan. Um, <laughs> Flip Pat Bev for like Cam Reddish or uh, yeah. you know Evan Fournier. The Evan Fournier contract makes it a little bit more complicated. He still has two years on that, and I don't know if the Lakers want to add that kind of money. Um, but I think that that makes sense for both teams. Also, the the number one trade that I would love to see them pull off is I'd love to see them add a stretch four um, that they can pair alongside AD, who's not gonna you know clog down low, but who can you can make a jump shot or two. And I think that they need to add a versatile wing defender who can give them some of those minutes that AD is not going to be able to give you out on the perimeter. Uh, with, and that's one thing that I've noticed over these last few Lakers games is that he is playing literally just more in the paint, um, which is why he's averaging a career-high field goal percentage. Um, so I think a versatile, uh, a versatile wing who can score for you and a stretch for... And I'm thinking, pull off some kind of trade with the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs are like 1-15 in in the last 16 games, and their two best players are Keldon Johnson, who is like sneakily one of my favorite players in the NBA, and Jakob Pertl. And those two guys can be had for next to nothing. I mean, they're not going to want to hold on to those guys, uh, you know, with whatever kind of building plan they have going forward. So uh, those are the two trades that I would recommend. Flip Pat Bev. uh, The Knicks are like just openly putting out content now about how they're trying to trade Cam Reddish. Uh, they've, they've been trying, I mean, Evan Fournier is not even in the rotation. And like I said, a couple of pods ago, he led the league in three point shooting percentage last season. And then, uh, you know, Keldon Johnson and Jakob Pertl from the Spurs and inevitably if the Spurs win like one or two games back to back, they'll start trying to unload those guys. So those are, those are my AD trade ideas just to kind of wrap up our AD talk. Man, Pat Bev, think about this pat bev on the on the knicks just he's he's barking at at jalen brunson telling him to stay in front of his man and diving diving for <laughs> loose balls that's that's just a guy that that you need <laughs> i love it i love it you know the cam reddish talks have been have been i've i've really seen a ton about that with the lakers pursuing him and and i think like the heat and maybe one other team too um at least you know they're they're the ones vocal about it, but yeah, I agree that that wing defender is is super vital. I think losing guys like Malik Monk and uh, KCP um, have been a real uh, a real hindrance to the Lakers' defense. Um, and I think yeah, a, a stretch for hey man, I I know that I, I'm completely throwing contracts out the window um, because it's it's hard to think about contracts in this way. But you get. Look up in uh in the in the cold town of of Minneapolis with, um the uh, the struggling Timberwolves right now. Every everything that I've heard is that if the Timberwolves were to make a drastic move, it's not going to be Rudy. It's not going to be An- Anthony Edwards. It's going to be Carl Anthony Towns. So, cat next to AD two two Kentucky boys. You you, you never know, man. 
I know a couple Kentucky fans listening to this pod who are like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, not going to help them. Won't help them defensively, but. <laughs> can we get Eric Bledsoe, Devin Booker? Can we get these guys? Can we get, is Michael Kidd Gilchrist available? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, John Wall's just, uh, they, they play in the same arena, so they can just snag him up real quick. <laughs> right. Oh, man. That's funny. So to to close out our segment today, what we wanted to do was to take a look at we were gonna do we were gonna do all the teams in the in the NBA, but we're, I'm actually gonna shift it up a little bit. We're gonna take a look at the top ten teams in each conference and do a rapid fire, better, worse, or the same for their records. So um, one thing that is consistent throughout the NBA is inconsistency. So even through um, even though the Lakers are eight of the last eleven or something, doesn't mean that that'll be the case 40 games from now, right? Um, the reason that we're not going to do the, the bottom five teams of, of each conference is because I think the the tanking teams have kind of separated themselves now. Um, you have the the Orlandos and the and the Charlottes and Detroits, and they're on all on pace, and, and the Spurs, like you talked about, they're all on pace to win less than 25 games. And so I don't think that that's going to change because of um, the stakes of next year's draft. So we're going to look at the top 10 teams of each conference. Rapid fire, better, same, or worse. And we're going to start in the East. So, Ryan, I'll let you answer first, and then I'll answer. And then if we if we, if we we uh, disagree, you know, you can you can uh, pitch in your, your argument. So starting in the are we East, offering any explanation at all or are we just saying better or worse it depends it depends on if it's funny or not that, that that's what i that's what i'll say <laughs> yeah so um celtics boston celtics 21 and 5 better worse or the same uh better you that's think it. oh okay so that that's interesting I think, I think i mean i think they're doing better than i thought that they'd be doing at the beginning of the year i mean i thought they relied way too much on uh, al horford in the playoffs and uh He's been almost a non-factor this season, and they're still doing mm. great. Yeah, that's fair. And <clears throat> I think that although I, I kind of <laughs> disparaged his name earlier, but I think Jason Tatum has, has been much, much better than I thought that he was going to be this season too. So I'll go better as well. All right, Bucks, 18 and 6. Um, I'm going to say – I'm actually going to say better because I thought that they would struggle without uh, – Chris Middleton. People discount the fact that they've been playing without an all-star for like almost a year now. Like that matters a little bit more than, than we've been giving them and Giannis credit for. So I'm going to say better. They're 18 and six. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's about the same. This is what I expected. Um, 18 and six is, is a really good record. Like that, that's a, that's a really good record to, through the first quarter of the season. So, um, but mm-hmm. it's not, I, I think, I guess I just kind of have this, this mindset of Giannis of just how great he is. And it doesn't matter what the team is like. Um, he's he's going to make them a, a top seed in, in whatever conference he's going to be in. So cool. Next Cleveland Cavaliers, 16 and nine. I'm going to say uh, slightly worse or sorry, slightly better. <laughs> I, I didn't think that that backcourt would gel this well. I didn't think that Donovan Mitchell would play so much better without the Rudy Gobert pick and roll game. Um, and I honestly thought that uh, I thought that we might see a little bit of regression out of their their uh, Jared Allen Evan Mobley thing. I, th- I didn't really like their situation at the wing, but you know Dean Wade has been playing that three pretty well. Our so. boy, <laughs> come on the pod, by the way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna say slightly better. Okay, y- y'all can call cap on me on this. I don't care, but I'm gonna say this is. This is exactly what I expected. This is the same as what I expected because <laughs> as soon as I saw that trade, I remember where I was. I, was, I sat down and I said, they're going to be a top team in the in the East, and th- th- they are. So, You and LeBron sat down and said, they're going to be 16-9 and nine after 25 games. Man, meme, NBA meme culture has been I'm, – I'm, I'm just not tired of it. I'm not tired of the meme right now. You know, A lot of people are like, oh, it's gotten old. No, it's, it'll never get old to me. <laughs> I love it. All right, at number four, we have – the Brooklyn Nets at 14 and 12. Um, I had no expectations for them coming <laughs> into the year, so I'm going to say the same. I didn't know what would happen. Uh, this team has Kevin Durant and a whole lot of problems, so that seems like a 14 and 12 team. Yeah. 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say better. I think that they. I, I think they're over exceeding my expectations because I think I thought that their problems would be much worse in uh, result than they have been as far as how it translates to the on-court play. But 14-12 isn't a great record. I mean, it's kind of crazy the, the jump between the three and four seed here, but I think that they're performing a little bit better than I thought they would. Um, number five, we got the Atlanta Hawks at 13-12 and 12 with your as beloved Trey Young. <laughs> <laughs> as weird as this is, like... I didn't think that they would be five seed good, but I thought that they would be better than 13 and 12 good, if that makes sense. And that kind of speaks to that gap that you were just talking about. Um, I want to say they're doing way worse. I thought that this backcourt should be doing great. They're like the worst three-point shooting team in the league, which is ridiculous considering the players on this roster. I think they're drastically underperforming expectations. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They're they're much worse, and I think they're worse than they wanted to be as well. Um, the, the Trey and DeJounte pairing has been good in some ways and really bad in other ways um uh, trey is not i think that trey is just not really accepting that role um in a, in a real way that's contributing to any sort of success and also now they're in they have all this drama going on with with trey and nate mcmillan so um overall everything's worse there next up here's here's a, a fun one number six at the, in the six seed, we have the indiana pacers at 13 13 and 12 Way like probably better than I thought any team would be than anything that I'm seeing right now. Honestly, uh, I thought they'd be like the Spurs of the East this year, and they have the same record as the Hawks. Uh, Rookie of the year, Benedict Matherin, still not gonna watch him play a minute this season. Uh, I hear he's great. I love Tyrese Halliburton. I hear he's been balling every time his little. I don't know if you follow Stat Muse on Twitter, but every time his little cartoon graphic shows up with stats, I'm like, hey, good for him, man. So way, way, way better. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely better. Halliburton, like you said, absolutely balling. Has a case for most improved, even though he was pretty good last year. Also, Andrew Nemhard, out of nowhere, just becoming a, a staple name in the league. Love it. Love it. We're, we're all about the Pacers. And Miles Turner, too, you know, he was all, in all these trade talks. But at this point, they might as well, I think that they should just keep him. He's still young, still on the same trajectory. So, you know, I think. Not even in the play-in. They're just, like, legit in the oh, playoffs. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, here's a weird one for me, but the Raptors are at the seven seed at 13 and 12 as well. Um, I feel like this is about what I expected them to be. I really haven't gotten the, the Raptors these last few years. I know Scotty Barnes has kind of had a disappointing second year, um, but I just never really understood what that team was trying to be or what they were. Like, I, I like Fred Van Vliet. I like Pascal Siakam as much as the next guy, but, like, I don't know. I feel like right around 500 is exactly what I would think that roster should be. Yeah. I literally have no idea what the Raptors are about. Like, I, I, <laughs> I they're probably the team that I pay attention to the least, and I just didn't know what to really expect. So I'm going to say – I'm going to say this – I'm actually going to say worse because I did have some – I did hear some talks about them being, like, a sneaky – you know, four or five seed, and it's just not really looking that way. But yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know anything about the Raptors. I'm I'm sorry to all my NBA fans <laughs> out there, but <laughs> they're just a team I don't I don't really pay attention to. But they're not on TV a lot. Like they're not that exciting. There's not really a player you want to tune in and watch. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people think people wouldn't have thoughts on them. Right. Their their best player is Pascal, and you know, <laughs> no offense, Pascal, but it's just not not a fun <laughs> fun best player to have. So. Number eight, we have the Philadelphia 76ers at 12 and 12. Uh, they have, they're way worse. I mean, this team, has, this team has James Harden and Joel Embiid on the same roster, and they're, they're 500. Um, significantly worse for me. Yeah, I would say the same, and there's nothing, nothing to add to that. At number nine, seed number nine, your beloved New York <laughs> Knicks, 12 and 13. Oh, man. Well, this will take the rest of the pod. <laughs> no, I'm going to say that they're doing that slightly worse uh, because I expected them to be exactly 500, and they're literally one game under 500 right now. Uh, but give it one more game, and they'll be 500 again. So um, I think I love Jalen Brunson to death. I think that he has unlocked that, that side of Julius Randle that I predicted at the beginning of the season he would. Julius Randle needs a good ball-dominant point guard in his, in his life. He needs like a Rondo. He needs... You know, two seasons ago, Derrick Rose, like he needs that kind of stuff. That has, they have been playing great together. 
I didn't predict that RJ, who has gotten like literally better in every stat category for three straight years, would just fall off a cliff and become what is essentially the worst player in the NBA this year. And I'm tough. Just gonna have to. I just have to say that. I have to be honest. You know, part of part of liking players is being honest about who they are. Um, So that literally RJ is solely responsible for them being uh, where they are right now. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna say. I'm actually going to say slightly better because I guess I just wasn't as hopeful with a Jalen addition. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's a good surprise that they're, uh, they are, there are some bright spots there, but yeah, the, the RJ stuff is so crazy to me. It, it's just, it's just wild because the hundred million dollar man, you know, I think, I think that has a lot to do with it, but. Yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, sorry to take so much time on my team, but what were y'all expecting? Um, <laughs> like there's so many like there's so much that backs up the idea that once guys get their first big contract to see a significant dip in stats and that that just straight up happened to RJ this year and uh, I hope he bounces back from it for sure so last rounding off the the top 10 in the east we have the heat at 12 and 14 um I'm gonna say slightly worse but I honestly didn't think that they were gonna be that good this year I mean um I mean, Jimmy's been dealing with injuries all year. Kyle Lowry is like, I don't know, on the north side of 35 some somewhere. Um, and then, like, what else do they have on this roster? I mean, Bam is Bam. I like Bam a lot, but like, other than that, um, it's just a lot of a lot of white guys who can shoot some nights and can't shoot other nights and can't play defense at all. And uh, without Jimmy, like, screaming at everyone on the sideline, including the coach, you know, this is slightly worse than what I thought they'd be. Yeah, I'm gonna say like they're way worse. I guess I just they're just a staple in my mind for a top six seed in the East with Jimmy, and um, even though Kyle Lowry is a shell of himself, I still hold him in high regard as a as a solid starting point guard. But yeah, I think that they I expected them to be way way better than this, and it's kind of sucks. I think that they're in the sort of like um, the. When they are in the play, when they when you face them in the playoffs, it's going to be an issue. It doesn't matter if they're a ten seed or a, or a one seed. You know, they're going to put up a fight. Um, so I think that's kind of where their heads at. But you know, they're they're the very last right now. They're the very last spot in the in the play in. So I think that they need to care a little bit more about the regular season and win a couple more games to before they get real comfortable there. All right, so. Moving on to the Western Conference, this is a crazy, crazy changeups in the past two days or so of this of these this top, these top couple seeds. But at number one in the West, we have the Pelicans at sixteen and eight. I'm going to be very transparent with everyone right now. Uh, I was shocked when I flipped the page to the Western <laughs> Conference because I, I knew the Pelicans were like doing well, but when I saw them at, at number one, holy cow! Uh, this is so much better than I thought they would be. I love this team. I've only watched it play a couple times this year, um, zero times in person, and uh, they've they've just been such a fun team, man. I, I know I, I talked a lot about Bi a couple pods back ago, but uh, Zion's offense has been great. Love me some Jose Alvarado. So yeah, I'm gonna say significantly better. Yeah, I think same too. I knew that they're gonna be good with everyone being pretty healthy, but. This good is is was kind of unimaginable um, because Zion was coming back after not really playing much at all. I think they even have room to be even better because CJ has not had a great start to the season, um, and so if he kind of starts to unlock it and, and feel a little bit better, I think that that'll take them to a whole nother level. Actually, um, I d- have gotten to see them in person. Um, I saw them play the the Trailblazers a couple weeks ago. Um, and they they actually lost that game because the Blazers, we'll get to them, are sneakily good. Um, but Zion is – Zion had the quietest 30 points I've ever seen. Just like – and and he, he sometimes has loud games with the dunks and stuff. But he had one dunk the whole game, but he just either got to the line or he just got an offensive rebound and just laid it back up. He's just a guy who will sneakily get you 30 to 35 points every single game and – it's obviously translating to wins right now. I think they're pretty good defensively too. I think Zion can take another step um, defensively, just being the the athletic presence that he is. Um, but yeah, they are way way better than I thought. So number two, we have the Phoenix Suns at sixteen and nine. 
I think that they're doing slightly better than I thought that they would because I thought they would stumble out of the gate with CP3 uh, kind of aging. He was starting to look pretty old towards the end of last season. And, uh, I mean, they have, and he has, but they're the second seed in the in the West right now. So I'm going to say slightly better. I always imagined that they would be in, like, the top four seeds somewhere, but second seed just feels yeah. a little high for me. Yeah, I'm going to say high, too, because or better, too, because I think, especially with all the off- court and off-season drama that they had it didn't seem like there would be a lot of chemistry going in and um they are playing really well and especially with cp3 being out for a lot of these games um do i think that they're going to exceed our expectations in the playoffs absolutely not but you know regular season much better than i thought they were they were gonna do so in the three seed we have the memphis memphis grizzlies with a 16 and 9 record I'm going to say slightly better because I feel like this is a very injury-prone team and we're all kind of still waiting on pins and needles for the inevitable jaw injury. And uh, I feel like I feel like they are three-seed. Like I feel like they're three-seed material, but I also feel like they're always going to be dealing with injuries, whether it's Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain or, you know, like I said, jaw. And I just feel like expecting them to sustain that level of play is unlikely on a year-to-year basis, but glad that they have so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say about the same. I think that they just had so much momentum coming out of last year and just all the exciting moments. Um and now they're they're performing at a pretty good level and Jaw is doing Jaw things, so I'm going to say the same. So in the fourth seed, we have the Denver Nuggets at 15 and 10. Uh, this is right around where I thought they would be. They got Jamal Murray back. He is uh, looking great, honestly. He, he's had some some great nights for my fantasy basketball team, I'll tell you that much. Uh, about the only thing going for me this year. But he's doing well. Jokic, Jokic, uh, I feel like 15 and 10 feels like a very Nuggets record. <laughs> it does feel like a very Nuggets record. I, I was, I'm going to say they're a little worse because I was expecting – a less Nuggets record and maybe even like a one seed because of the talk around MPJ and Jamal Murray coming back and Jokic obviously being um, the just absolute offensive unit mastermind um, that he is. I thought that that would be a pretty clear best team in the, in the West because when I looked at, when I was looking at the West, there was no, there really wasn't a clear number one, but I thought with Jokic, and all of his players back, I thought that the Nuggets would be a, a little bit better than this, but um, I would say slightly better, or slightly worse. And number five, fan favorite, the beloved Beam Team Sacramento Kings at 13 mm. and 10. Hey, like the Beam, man. They are doing so <laughs> much better than I thought they'd be doing. Uh, 13 and 10, this is, I mean... I feel like they should just go ahead and hang a banner just for these <laughs> these first twenty three games right here. Um, this is this team's so much fun to watch. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love the Kings this year? If you told them at the beginning of the year they'd be a five seed and they'd be like everyone's favorite league pass team to watch, I would just straight up not believe you. So I I have no choice but say they're doing significantly better. Yeah, definitely better. This is the most exciting, ex- most excited that I'll ever be about thirteen and ten in my life. So. <laughs> beam team thank you for for giving us some joy 13 times 13 times 13 nights this season a beam has been shot up isn't that amazing all right jazz utah jazz at 15 and 12 in the sixth seed doing way better than yeah. i thought they would do i mean you know that's probably a very boring topic to talk about. <laughs> that's like the thing when you talk about all these teams i mean they're obviously the one that that kind of stands out um I'd say even probably more su- more surprising than the Pacers pick is that they're 15 and 12. They are four and six over their last 10 games. Um, they just won one. They were just three and six. So it's, uh, I, I don't know, man. I think that this team has far exceeded expectations. I think that they'll still wind up near the front of the lottery. Um, I think Danny Ainge is going to work his chicanery and, and uh, we're going to start seeing some injuries pop up. We're going to start seeing some trades happen. Um, probably see a vet or two let go of after the trade deadline, and they're going to work their way down there. But I'd say through their first 27 games, it's so weird that they've played four more games than like most of these other teams so far. Um, 
which is also surprising that they're winning so much considering that they're playing more games. But yeah, uh, significantly better. Yeah, for sure. They're, the t- whole team is performing better. They have players that you would never have guessed would be performing at this level, like a Lowry Markin and um, like a, you know, Colin Sexton that are just exceeding a lot of expectations. And I, I agree. They're, they're way, way better. In the seven seed, we have the Dallas Mavericks at 13 and 11. I'm going to say that they're right at about what I thought they would be. Um, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I remember, you know, when we, we didn't really get into too much detail in our very first pod about this when you put that, I, you had them in the finals, didn't you? Three in the year. Um, when when you mentioned that, I didn't even want to say like I didn't know if that, if they would even for sure make the playoffs. Uh, I just as much as I believe in Lucas, kind of going back to what you said earlier, I just don't know about the rest of that roster. I don't know if they really have any moves to make because my team currently owns all of their first round picks for the next few years. Um, and trust me, there, there's been a running joke with Knicks fans where it's like uh, you know we were rooting for our team to win and then we tune into the Mavs game and root for their team to lose because it could potentially be a lottery pick this year. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to say that they're doing uh, right around what I thought they'd be. Yeah, I think I'm going to go worse here. I did have them in the finals, not as a f- one seed necessarily, but I definitely didn't think that they would be, you know, two games uh, like ahead of 500. I thought that they would be it's right comfortably in that three, four, five seed um, because of Luca taking another step. But this, this, like we talked about already, this roster just doesn't have the doesn't have the chops to do that. So coming in at number eight, we have the Trailblazers at thirteen and twelve. I'm gonna say they're doing um, probably slightly better than I thought they would be doing because once they made the CJ trade last year, I thought that. They're going to go into some kind of weird rebuild mode. You know, the Dame trade talks picked up, and uh, coming into this year, especially if you had told me that that Dame's missed as many games as he has with with this weird like abdominal injury, but like that's been nagging him since last season. Um, you know, he's been taking some time to rest, uh, but Jeremy Grant's been playing pretty well some nights for them. Anthony Simons has become the Anthony Simons of legend that you know they famously wouldn't trade him or include him in any trade talks like three years ago, and, and now he's playing like a guy who should not be included in trade talks. So I'm going to say they're doing slightly better considering I thought that they would be in sort of a rebuild right now. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're definitely doing way, way better. And um, I think, the like you talked about, Anthony Simons, but also Jeremy Grant has been performing really well for them. He's a guy that I think any team would want to have on their team just as a he, – he's a really good scorer but also – a great wing defender too so they are really exceeding a lot of expectations so bottom rounding out the bottom 10 or 9 and 10 we have the los angeles clippers at 14 and 13 yeah um i think that this team is exactly where i would have assumed that it would be to begin the season um because specifically coming into the season i thought you know they have the talent to be i think we said this on the second pod they have the talent to be um, the best team in the league, but their players, you know, are, are missing a lot of time, and they've been super underwhelming when they do play. Uh, that's kind of the difference between them and some other teams that have guys who are resting. You know, like think back to last year when Kyrie could only play road games and was averaging like 35, 40 points a game, <laughs> like playing those road games because he was getting so much rest. The Clippers have somehow been the opposite of that to begin the year. Uh, you know, when Kawhi's in, he's averaging like nine or ten points a game uh paul george missed a few games john wall only plays like every other game so um if you had asked me before the year began i would say the safe pick through 27 games is it'd be around 500 and they're one game above 500 yeah i mean i'm a clippers hater but i'm i'm gonna say they're worse than i thought because as much as i'm a clippers hater i thought that they would be you know a little bit better than this because i really like Paul George. Um, and with the Kawhi stuff, I was like, if Kawhi is, is available at all, you know, even half for half of these games, that'll, that'll translate to, you know, a 15 and 10 ish record. But, um, he has been slightly available, but it just has been really underwhelming. So I'm going to say worse for them. And then to close out the West and close out this section of the pod, we have 
the defending champs, Golden State Warriors, at an even 500, 13 and 13. Um, this is definitely worse. And I thought that they'd be off to a slow start. They're all the Warriors always feel like they start the season very slowly, um, and then really start picking up like post trade deadline. Uh, but I mean, they're the defending champs, and they're 13 and 13. Uh, honestly, like before the year started, I wouldn't have known what to think with the Draymond uh, Jordan Poole situation. With Clay coming back from injury, Clay's put together a string of nice games. Uh, Draymond's actually been playing much better these last few games. But do you have their uh, home and away splits like in front of you at all? Yes, at home that has been. They're eleven and two, yeah. and away two and eleven. Yeah, that's, that's so, crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> that's something they mentioned that during uh, when the Knicks played them like three weeks ago. I think that. I think the Warriors like had were like undefeated at home at that point and winless on the road, so I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, in my mind, it's like are they are they just getting like heckled or is there like something like about road trips that like caused some sort of like uh, discontentment in their team or something like that? But it's just so crazy. Like they're they're virtually like unbeatable at home and basically can't win on the road. It's because Jordan Poole is just on edge when he's in the plane <laughs> trapped in a plane with Draymond Green. <laughs> he's looking over his shoulder too much. <laughs> he comes into the game in the bad headspace. <laughs> you go into his hotel room, he's just like wide awake, just shaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, definitely definitely worse for me too. Um, you know, Warriors with Steph will always be I'm always gonna expect them to be a top four seed at, at the very least. Um so this is kind of crazy that they're just in the play in um and I, and they they're on a right now they're in a, they're they've won 6 of their last 10 um they've lost 4 in in that but um i think that it'll probably balance out a little bit i could see them jumping up to the to the 7 8 maybe um and maybe even getting bounced in the in the play in tournament like they did a couple years ago against the lakers but um a couple of these teams on the bottom timberwolves thunder lakers those are teams that are, you know, literally three less three or less games from knocking any of those teams that we just mentioned out, and so that'll be a that'll be a pretty tight race, I think, at the end of the season, just seeing who will get into that play. And that, my friends, is why the play-in tournament is great because it, it really, you know, there's only two teams right now in the in the West that are just completely basically out of it. So really exciting stuff. But folks. That is going to be our episode for today. We want to thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. And we hope to catch you on the next time around. Ryan, it's been a great time conversing about the NBA with you. Any closing thoughts as we close out this episode? Absolutely not. We'll try to go two more weeks. Or we'll try to go less than two weeks before recording another pod. I have paid my internet bill, so don't worry, guys. Look at that. We love paying bills. Pay your bills, folks. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep2Pod. That's Deep, the number two, pod. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and make sure to leave us a five-star rating so we can continue to bring the latest in the NBA and all of our mild to spicy takes. Catch you next time here at Deep Tube.